0: be of every breath we could ever of what, what the Lord has-
1: Continue to worship him, continue to lift him up, continue to magnify his name. The word says, these are are the generations of thee that seek you, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. How many of you know that the king of glory is in this building this morning? The king of glory shall come in. I don't care what you're facing this morning. I don't care if it's sickness, if it's disease. If it's depression, it's not stronger than our God. Because that psalm asks a question, who is the king of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. He is the Lord that is mighty in battle. No matter what battle you're facing, it is not too hard for my God. So lift up your head, lift up your hands, O oh, ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting Lord. And the king of glory shall come. Come on and praise his name in the building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Worship the Lord our God. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have seen fit to give us one more day underneath this sun that you have created to give you praise. Lord God, (laughs) we're thankful that you have allowed us to be on this terrestrial plane one more time to walk this earth to give you glory and to give you praise one day Lord we won't be able to do it this way down here so while we have breath in our bodies Lord your word said that let everything not just some things not just a few things but let everything that hath breath praise the Lord and Lord right now we give you praise we lift our hands we lift our hearts Lord God to give you praise we exist because Because of your existence, God. We live, move, and have our being and breathe because of you, God. Now speak your servants, listen. Lord, hide me behind your cross. I don't want them to see Willie, God. I want them to see you. Lord, magnify your word in us. Plant your seed in us and let it germinate that we may live day to day by your word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God, we declare in today's word, speak your servants. Listen, we are hungry for what you have to say for us in this season of fasting and prayer. We are hungry for what you are doing in the earth right now. God, speak to us so that we may help change a generation. We believe it and we receive it in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Somebody shout with everything you have. Hallelujah. Amen. Give God some glory in the building. Come on and clap your hands and give God praise. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the power. the Lord has done for us, you know what? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks. Why? For he has given Jesus Christ, his son, and now let the weak say I am strong, receive that today, let the poor say I am rich, can you lift your hands and receive that, because of what? the Lord has done for us. Give thanks, give thanks. Clap your hands and give God praise. I don't know about you but in this season of fasting and prayer where we take something and we take it away from us and our awareness of the, our Creator becomes more and more heightened and we become, we become more cognizant of the presence of God around us. I don't know if you know how, what that feels like. Some may have not gotten into fasting and prayer yet. We're different walks in our fellowship. But I encourage you that if you really want to get out of mundane religious rituals and writ, spend some time and push away whatever you need to push away and spend some time in sweet fellowship I heard the songwriter say, I walked through the garden alone. (laughs) And then he said this, and he walks with me. And he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, the world has never known. Do you know there's a relationship and a peace with God that you can get that the world covets and they don't understand how to get it? They seek it in money. They seek it in cars. They seek it in houses. They seek it in relationships. But guess what? They can't find it there. The only way they can find it is in the secret place. How do I get to the secret place? Ask David. David said that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm so glad that the Lord is covering us beneath His wings. I'm so glad to see you this morning whether you know or not, know it or not, whether or not you prayed for me, do you not know that I prayed for you this morning? I pray for your health. I pray for your wellness. I pray for your prosperity in mind, body, and spirit, that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. I prosper that the Lord covers you, and that wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, shall be blessed in the name of Jesus. I prayed this morning while I was at this altar that the Lord puts some super on your natural <laughs> that you don't live just a normal day-to-day existence but that the Lord will manifest himself to you in the way that he sees fit in a unique way that he touches your heart that you feel his presence and you can't help but tears begin to run down your face because you feel the presence of God I'm a manly man I'm a masculine man but I don't care how masculine you are when you think about the presence of a holy God you begin to humble yourself and tears will begin to fill your eyes and I'm, 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 I'm amazed and looking in wonder in our congregation as I see not just women but men raising their hands and giving God praise men giving God glory this is the place where God is praised where he is honored and he is adored and I am so glad that you have taken the time today to worship with us for those of you who are online Thank you for worshiping with us. Give them a hand, clap of praise right now. We're grateful for however you're worshiping. If you're in the Detroit area, we're wonderful and we're wonderfully glad that you are with us online. But I believe you're missing out something because you can't feel this online. I saw a a post, a meme that said that watching church online is good But it's just like watching a fireplace online. You get to see what's going on, but you can't feel the fire. (laughs) And the fire of God is in this place. Can anybody feel the fire of God in this place? Oh, hallelujah. There's a word from the Lord. The book of John, chapter 5. Starting at verse 1, the book of John, chapter 5. If you could stand with us for the reading of the word of our Lord. John chapter 5. Oh Jesus, I just feel good y'all. You never know, this may be my last Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm getting on the plane today. I hope it's not my last Sunday, but if it is, I don't want to miss one second of enjoying the Lord with you. John chapter 5 starting at verse 1. As is our custom, you know we read, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Let's read together today. We're going into the King James version. Let's read. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, of halt, and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain seasons into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years." And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said to him, "Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, rise. Take up thy bed and walk. (laughs) And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. From this scripture, other related scriptures, and aid of the Holy Spirit, somebody say, I want to be whole. Lord, speak. Your servants listen. We'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to be whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we've been looking into our new sermon series for this year about cycles, about going around in cycles and going around in patterns and that this year will be better than last year and thank you for those of you who reach out to me and let me know how the sermons are impacting your life when you do that it gives us encouragement to keep moving forward and the Bible says that we're overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony you just don't know how it, it blesses my heart to hear that you're not just taking the word but you're taking the word you're living by the word and it is changing your life today in our gospel we see John John one of the gospel writers decide that he is going to write about the Lord Jesus Christ and write about the things that Jesus is doing. And John uses it from a different perspective. It's important to read all the gospels because in each one of the gospels, they write to you from a different perspective to get you to see a different aspect of who Jesus is. In this instance, John has one point and one point only to tell you who Jesus is. And he starts it with his book. He starts and begins with the end in mind. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the same was in the beginning with God. And then he begins to tell us this, that the word came down, the logos came down and became flesh and it dwelt among men. What is he saying? He's saying that God has come down in the flesh to dwell among men, to turn the tables as sin had dominion over us. Now sin no longer hath dominion over you because you are not under law, but you are under grace. Why? because the word came down and became flesh and dwelt among men and not only did he dwell among men but he died among men and he was buried among men and he was raised on the third day among men and he's coming back to judge among men all the living and the dead John wants you to know that Jesus is not just an ordinary man Jesus is not just a prophet or a good person that some shall supposed to say but Jesus is himself God in the flesh. He is God made flesh. He is Emmanuel. He is God made with us. And here it is as I preach this text, as we go on into our cycles series, I begin to look at some things that Jesus did. And oftentimes Jesus does things. And if you look at them, they will make you stop and pause and to take a break about what you're doing. You have to stop because when you look at certain things, you don't quite understand what it is that Jesus is doing or what it is he's saying. Pastor, what is it that Jesus said that you didn't understand? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to talk to you this morning because the Bible says that there was a pool that was set there in the city. And because of what happened at that city, there was healing at that pool. At that pool, once a year, and this is taking out of some manuscripts and some translations, but in the King James Version, it says that, At a certain season of time there was an angel that would come and trouble the water everybody around the pool was in the same condition I liken the pool to the church why because although we're different ages and we're different ethnicities all of us have something that we're dealing with some of us are crippled and some of us are lame and some of us have no peace in our heart and our mind but we all congregate around the pool and come into this building. Why? Because when we come into this building, we seek the word of God, that the word of God will give healing for our hearts and that the word of God will give healing for our souls and for our minds and that the word of God will come down like a two-edged sword and snap out all of the impurities out of our life so that we can live the abundant life that God is calling us to live. They are around the pool and just like church Many of them are hungry for the touch of the supernatural, but many of them will be around the pool and never experience the move of God. There are many people who will come to church day in and day out to churches all across the world and across America. And they have good fellowship and they have good friends and they have good families there. But they leave just like they came because although they're by the place of healing, they have never gotten close enough to touch it and feel the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you know it, but God is made uh, made flesh. God is made God god the father but we also have god the holy spirit that the lord has left with us for a comforter and not only is he a comforter not only is he a teacher but he can heal your body he can heal your mind he can heal your sin sick soul i come to tell you right now that the presence of god can change all those things in your life that you think are wrong in your life they can touch them and turn them upside down and just in an instance we have become a church that has been desensitized to the presence of God not this church because I feel the presence of God I started praying earlier this morning before you even got here and we become desensitized to the presence of God across Christendom why because we become pre-programmed come in sing two songs say a few things give me a good motivational talk and let me go to the house I feel like something has been accomplished but deep down we know that something is missing what is that something that's missing it is the Holy Ghost it is the power of God what God says and you shall receive power after that that the Holy Ghost has come upon you you can't be my witness until he comes Jesus told his disciples stay here and do not leave until you have been in endued with power for on high because you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses not just here in Jerusalem but you shall be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth I've come to tell you that now is the time that in this season the Lord is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh and our sons and our daughters shall prophesy and our Young men will see visions, the old men will dream dreams. God is moving in this place, and I don't know if you recognize it, but I want you to keep your eyes open because we have left the natural plane, and God is getting ready to do something that no eye has seen, that no ear has heard, that no mind has conceived. God is ready to turn the pool upside down. At this pool, we see all sorts of people that are crippled and they are hot and they are lame and they are impotent uh, unable to do for themselves, unable to live without the kindness or the charity of others. And here, these people lay hungry for the touch of the supernatural. They were all around the same pool. They were all seeking the same opportunity for a move of God to change their life, surrounding with themselves with people in similar conditions to their own. But at this pool, there is one per- person that the Bible chooses to take out of the text and bring particular attention to him. There was a man at this pool that the Bible says had been crippled 38 38 years. He'd been crippled just a little less than how long I've been old. 38 years at this pool crippled, 38 years dependent on other people, 38 years robbed of self dignity and the ability or the ability to earn a living for himself, 38 years while others were learning trades and building families and going on with their lives, watching his counterparts and his contemporaries build families and build houses and build lives and get the trades of their father, and go to rabbinical school or learn to be carpenters or learn to be fishermen. For 38 years, he has watched everybody else with upward mobility and he has been crippled, watching life pass him. Watching everybody else get the promotion, watching everybody else get the husband, watching everybody else get the wife, watching everybody else get the kids, watching everybody else do the things that he himself as a natural person would like to do. Watching everybody else move on up while he lays at the pool, watching life pass him by and Jesus sees this man in this position and he asked him a question and this is where we come around to where I have to ask Jesus a question why because brother Dave when I was young this question baffled my mind because Jesus looking at the man he asked him Pastor Ernie this man who would give his right arm and give anything he had just to be able to have some children and play with them in the street just to be able to pay take care of a wife and to be able to hold her in his embrace just to be able to show up at the job that somebody else was complaining about. He would give anything to be able to walk again. And Jesus looked at him and asked him a question. Will thou be made whole? Now, if I was this young man, I would get immediately offended because when I used to preach this text as a younger man, Brother Day, I had to pause in my mind because I would think that looking at someone in his condition, the answer would be obvious. If you ask me, did I want the opportunity to gain my upward mobility or to gain my independence or to step out of my suffering and my bad situation? If you wanted to ask me if I wanted to reach a level in my life in which I wasn't able to do on my own, what would I say other than yes? Who would say no? That doesn't make any sense. Who would say I'd rather stay here at the pool? Who would say I'd rather stay in my mind, in my middle? Miserable state. I would rather be lame. Who would say that I'd rather be lame? No, thank you, Jesus. Don't heal my diseases. No, thank you, Jesus. Don't heal my infirmities. No, thank you, Jesus. Don't set my marriage free. No, thank you, Jesus. Don't loose me from financial burden and teach me how to be a good steward. No, thank you, Jesus. I think I'll just stay broke, busted, and disgusted, and depressed, and walk in sickness, and walk in despair. I think I'll do that. That seems insane to me. But you know what, Stacey, as I've pastored and as I've mentored and as I've coached and I've preached, I understand the further I get through life why Jesus had to ask this question. Because as I've lived life, the text has begun to make more sense to me, Terhan. As i preach preached and coached and pastored, I've learned something. That trying to get somebody to a better place of living, I've come to this settling conclusion, Terhan. You know what it is? I realize that some people... People don't want to get better. They say they want to get better. They say they want a new life. But their actions do not align with their professions. They say, I want to be closer to God. But they show up to church one time a month they say i want to be closer to god but when they pray it's just over their meals they say, I want a better marriage, but they never go say, pastor, I have some issues and it's causing issues in my marriage. Help me to be better. They don't give those things to God. They say they want a better life. They say they want prosperity in 2023, but here we are a weekend and they are still exhibiting the same old bad financial habits that they had in 2022. They don't want to get better. They are lying to themselves. When you say, profess it and don't do it, you are lying to yourself. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I just spent some time with the brother of Jesus this morning in the Word and you know what he told me, Pastor Ernie? He said, be ye doers of the Word, not just hearers, because if you are, you are deceiving yourself. The truth of the matter is, we won't change until we realize that the reason we're in the shape we're in is because many of us don't want to get better. We have become comfortable with Christ We become comfortable with cripple. We become comfortable needing the pastor to preach us happy instead of learning how to pray and get into the presence of the Holy Spirit by ourselves. We become comfortable with coming and allowing other people to feed us on Wednesday night and all the good teachers we have instead of cracking open the Bible ourselves. We come and we don't even open our books and we're not ready for the teacher. Why? Because we become comfortable being crippled. We become comfortable with the status. Quote, no, Pastor, I want to do better. Why? Then when Pastor Ernie asks uh, of these things and nobody knows the scriptures because nobody has studied the scriptures and most of us who are in the room are either grown or retired, you can't say you don't have time. It's because we become comfortable with being crippled. We become comfortable <laughs> with it. We become comfortable so long why we have made these decisions in our life why because life is a series of decisions And our decisions determine our direction. And if not diverted, they will divulge our future. I'm going to keep saying that until you get it. I might actually make them put that on the wall one day. Life, say it with me, life is a series of decisions. Our decisions determine our direction. And if they are not diverted, in other words, if we don't get off the path that we were on, it will forecast and prophesy our destination. It's not the pastor's fault if you're listening in another state. It's not your pastor's fault the why you're not changing. It's the reason you're not changing. Stop going from house to house saying, I'm not getting fed. That would be silly, Austin, if I came to you and I stood at your doorstep and said, I'm coming to live at your house because my wife won't feed me. You look at me and say, you're a grown man. Feed yourself. We don't realize I'm going over here because I'm not getting fed. What we're really saying is I'm not feeding myself. I'm acting like an infant. I become comfortable with cripple. If you can't say amen. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. If you're mad, I'll be on the plane in a couple of hours. It won't matter. I'll be gone. But I'll be mad. But but we've become comfortable. Hallelujah. With cripple. We've become comfortable so long. They have been living paycheck to paycheck so long and choosing which bills will be paid this month and which ones are going to be late that that behavior has become normal. They have been coping so long with abuse and bad behavior and allowing people to treat them worse than they need to be treated that now they can't even be attracted to nice people. I've had young ladies say, I don't, I I don't like him. He's too square, but you're coming, asking about your problems, talking to me and robbing about your problems. But the problem is you have become attracted to the wrong type of man. You've been scribbled so long that you don't know how to be happy with somebody who takes care of you and praise for you you become dysfunctional and you want somebody that's gonna yell at you and talk at you in the type of way and go upside your head you need to call the police and put that joker out and drop that zero and get yourself a hero stop being comfortable with being crippled (laughs) comfortable oh lord why you gonna make me say it (laughs) but I'm going to say it all. Comfortable with hiding secret sins and not dealing with them. Comfortable just because the church folks can't see what's on your cell phone at night. Comfortable just because the because the church folks can't see who you're talking to and what you're saying and what you're inviting them to be a part of and doing. Comfortable with all the things that are in your heart. You're comfortable with it because you don't realize, although that I'm not on the phone, when I was young, Pastor Ernie, they used to say something. You know what they used to say, Lamar? Jesus is on the main line. His line never hangs up. Whether or not I see you is irrelevant. Your secret sins are only secret to us. There is nothing secret to God and there will be nothing secret that shall not be revealed god wants to heal us but we won't be honest with what's going on in our life and we hide and we pet secret sin instead of being like david and saying, search me and know me oh god and find and see if there be any, if, any unclean thing in me and then lead me in the way of everlasting We've become comfortable with making excuses why we can't do better. They are comfortable with cripple. Somebody who's honest and and this is yours, just shout out today. I've become comfortable with cripple. Will anybody be honest? (laughs) I see some hands. I want you to shout it out. So faith coming by here. We need to be honest and confess. I'm comfortable with cripple. Hallelujah. That's what I want to say. So give some, somebody, give God a praise for that. He said, I'm coming out of cripple. <laughs> you, can't, you can't come out of it until you first acknowledge that you are there. And he's become comfortable with cripple. It's in this text because the Bible says that when Jesus not only saw him, but he saw how long he had been there. The Bible never puts anything in by accident, Pastor Brother Denny. Why did John think to say he had saw how long he had been there? No doubt there were other people who had been there a while, but he said he had been there a long time. He knew that the extent of his lameness had gone beyond his outer extremities. It had permeated into his soul. He had been so long used to losing that he normalized losing and eliminated any logical way out. Because if we read the text in the King James, it says each year that an angel would come by and trouble the water. And if he troubled the water, whoever got in first was healed. Now I look at the lame man and I said, from my natural eye, if I just looked at that text, I may give you a pass. I may say it's okay because after all you cripple, after all there is nobody to help you in. We are, We do that in our culture now. That you poor thing. It's never anybody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always some other theory that that is some other system that is making you the way you are. But as I begin to look through the text and I was talking with my pastor friend, I, I begin to say, I said, huh? He said, what? I said, I just had a thought. He said, what's that? I said, for 38 years, he's lived and I'm fasting right now, but I can't fast for 38 years. You know what that means? For 38 years, he had found a way to get food. For 38 years, he had found a way to go to the restroom. For 38 years, he had found a way to get shelter out of the rain. For 38 years, apparently, he learned to beg for money to get resources, but not one time did he think I begged for enough resources to pay somebody to put me in the pool first. He had conditioned his mind to survive and not to thrive. And there are people in the body of Christ that are not living the abundant life that God has called you because you're in survival mode. You wake up on Monday just hoping you can make it to Friday because you got bills on Monday that are waiting to Friday. There's been also waiting since last Tuesday. And you just want to get those bills and you get to the point where you just want to survive. You got kids and schedules and you got to be here. At soccer and you got to be there at a dance recital and you got to be here at the band concert and you're doing all those things and all you're trying to do is survive and make it from day to day and week to week and you are being robbed of the abundant life that God has called you to be and you keep saying I can't pastor come to Bible study I can't come to church I can't do this why because I don't have the time have you ever thought that nobody has the time you have to make the time and you got to prioritize And decide what's going to be important in your life do i want to keep down the same old path or do i want god to give me something that i never had because in order to get something hallelujah that you never had you got to start to do something that you've never done before That may mean telling your kid you can't be in baseball and go all over the country you can play in this league and that's great and we'll work on your development but on Wednesday nights we're going to be in church on Sundays we're going to be in church because why your spiritual growth is more important and we're going to prioritize your life around your spiritual growth not your spiritual growth around your life. Because if you don't, you you end up with a generation of children that are crippled. They got doctor's degrees, PhDs, and DMs, and they got master's degrees, and MBAs, and specialist degrees, and they're seeing a counselor every week. Why? Because they've learned how to function on the outside, but on the inside, they're crippled. 38 years, he had become comfortable. With making excuses, comfortable with repeating the same old cycles. How many of us in the body of Christ are comfortable with having the same old? arguments. Don't you know God meant marriage to be a blessing to you? That you guys should be friends and you should like one another? You shouldn't wake up in the middle of the night and it looks like Bunker Hill and you made a bunker in the middle of the bed and you got your pillows over here. Don't you touch my side and I don't touch your side. And you wake up on ready to battle this morning. Oh, here she comes. She finna start complaining today. Oh, here he go. He coming home from work. His attitude don't be nasty. That's not the way God designed it. God wants you to have an abundant marriage but you got to be tired and get uncomfortable with being crippled (sighs) the extent of his lameness went beyond his outer extremities it had permeated his mind (laughs) he'd been used to living so long as crippled that jesus had to ask him a question before i heal you do you really Want to be made whole. Why did Jesus ask that question? Because he knew that fixing his legs alone would not fix his life. He would be healed on the outside, but still broken on the inside. He would have outward mobility, but be inwardly crippled. And we see this all the time in our modern day culture. We have people that are gifted enough to get money, but not whole enough to keep money. We have people that are using money and things to try to convince themselves that they're all right, but still depressed. broken on the inside. We have people that are healed enough to buy a house, but not whole enough to make it a home. We have people that are healed enough to get a job, but not whole enough to keep one consistently. We've got people that are healed enough to get married, but not whole enough to stay happily married. And I've come with a question this morning. What good would it do to have the mobility to leave the pool, but not the mindset to move beyond it? See, the children of Israel had a problem. (laughs) Moses took them out of Egypt, but they still had Egypt in them. So although to the outside mind, it looked like they were no longer slaves mentally and spiritually, they were just as much a slave as when they changed where they were. Showing up in this building will not set you free. It's part of the process but you can show up here every Sunday I don't have any power to change you all God has called me to do my one purpose in life is to preach the gospel and teach people the Bible I, and I try to do that to the best of my ability but you can come in here and leave out the same way you came you can come out of Egypt and leave with Egypt in you but at some point in time you've got to ask yourself a question when am I going to move beyond that what do I do when I'm here why would he have to ask him that question? Why didn't he want to be really healed? Because the only thing he knew was how to be crippled no doubt in his mind when Jesus asked him that question a thousand questions entered his mind he asked what do I do when I'm healed I've never been healed before and I don't know what that looks like what happens when I give my life to God completely and I stop drinking and smoking and midnight rambling yeah I sound like an old-school preacher I got some old-school in me. what happens when I do that and my friends walk away I'm used to my friend I'm gonna have to find some new friend what happens when I start being nice to my wife or my husband and we don't have arguments in the house and it feels funny because I'm used to arguments what happens when I start living on my own and not depending on other people what happens oh hallelujah I'm so glad that a couple of hours from now we do AA in this church four times a week but no doubt many people ask themselves the question what will addiction free living look like what will not being bound by my past and excuses to achieve look like so at some point I have to to make a choice and ask myself a question. If I don't want healing, why am I still by the pool? Why am I still coming to church? That don't mean stop coming to church. Keep coming, but why are you coming to church? Why would you open a refrigerator when you're hungry and just stare at it? Why would you open an ATM when you needed money and just look and see what's inside? Why would you come to the house of prayer and the place of healing and leave just as broken as you were when you came? Why am I comfortable being so close? But not complete why am i comfortable watching other people's lives change watching other people get out of debt watching other people get off of welfare watching other people fix their marriages watch other people lose weight and fix their body watching other people get off of blood pressure medicine and get off of metformin and diabetic pill watching other people get off anxiety medication watching other people get healed why am I so comfortable that being so close to where healing is but never ever get healing coming to church but never changing pretending we won't change but not walking in the steps to attain it always blaming an outside enemy for our circumstance for what you do but the problem is not them Hmm. (laughs) the problem is you Problem is me too. The problem's not critical race theory. The problem's not liberalism or conservatism. The problem is not rich or poor. It's not a macro problem, it's a micro problem. The problem is me. My worst enemy is the rebellious spirit that's in The one that won't submit to God. That's why we're fasting and praying. Because when your flesh says it's time to eat, you have to learn to tell your flesh, shut up, it's time to pray. Why am I practicing that discipline? Because if I do it long enough, when my flesh says it's time to sin, you say, shut up, it's time to pray. Well, the fast is over, but I started and I got to finish well. I'm teaching my flesh that it doesn't rule my life. The Holy Spirit rules my life. And now that same spirit that raised Jesus on from the dead now lives on the inside of you and will quicken your mortal bodies. We ultimately fear deliverance. Robin, you know why we fear deliverance? Because we are mortified of what's on the other side. What happened when I stopped smoking weed, Pastor? And all my friends called me lame and they leave me. What happens when I stop drinking? (coughs) What happens when I stop cursing and doing all the other stuff and there's nobody left but me? Well, I hate to tell you, but the Bible says narrow is the road that leads to heaven. And few there be that find it. The pathway to God doesn't have a lot of people traveling down it. But if you like a broad path, the word did say there was one. It said broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that find it. But at some point in time, as much as I love people, there's a song, Robin, I know you remember this, and Terhan may remember this, I go if I have to go by myself. Some of us are stuck in the same old cycles because we've been told so long that we're a failure, we're scared to try to succeed. But even if you fail, you have not lost unless you refuse to learn from your failures. Get up and try it again. The Bible says a just man falls seven times, a righteous man, but what makes him righteous is he gets back up again we fear deliverance why because we're scared of being on our own that some people that still living with their parents because they're scared they'll end back up with their parents you'll never know if you don't take the try what's wrong with ending back up at your parents house and you're already there anyway get up get a job and get out and try it if you fail get down and try it again you have to do what jesus was trying to get this man to do I made a declaration in my life, Pastor Ernie, Pastor Dave, you know what I made that declaration? That I refuse to die by the pool. He was on a bed there. You know what that means? Wherever your bed is, that's where your home is. He had made his home in mediocrity. He had made his home in just enough to get along. He had made his home in good enough to get along. i show up to Bible class, but I won't study. i show up to church, but I won't raise my hand. i come to the sermon, but I won't apply any of it to my life. he had become comfortable like that. And there are people that will live and die doing that at church all across the world, day after day. But I don't know about you, but is there anybody like me that says, I refuse to die at this pool. I'm going to pick up my bed and I'm going to walk. What does that look like, pastor? It looks like statements like this. Lord, don't just fix my money, but fix my mind so I'll be disciplined enough not to go back into debt. Lord, fix my character so the person you see on Sunday is the person that they see on Monday. Lord, fix my integrity so I'm honest with myself and others. How do I fix it? I live by this rule. If I'd be embarrassed to do it in front of my church, I should be embarrassed to do it by myself or with others. The season of the double agent, It's over in the church. I'm tired of being just by the pool. I want to be whole. You ought to get tired of other people raising their hands and, 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 and they got tears in their eyes and you can't feel nothing. And you just feel like you're going through the motions. You ought to get tired of just having church as usual. Terhan, I know you like me. I've been a musician for a long time. You can get into a roboticism as a musician because then you see a bunch of churches that just go through the what? Motions. They love to play church. They love to act like church. They know when to jump. They know when to shundo. They know when to run. They know when to play the music. To get you hype but when prayer is coming on you don't see a single soul in the building why because they've learned how to play it but they're really comfortable with being crippled the God never said that my house should be a house of praise and worship I'm glad for her I'm glad for music I'm glad for Haley I'm glad for a good worship team but I've come to let you in on a startling fact search the Bible from A to Z and Jesus never said that my house shall be a house of praise and worship he said my house shall become. The house of prayer for all generations. We can sing like an angel and we're living like the devil because we don't have a prayer life. We can sing to people jump up and run around, but our life is still going through the same old circle. We can preach to people, do backflips over the pew, but we're we preaching like heaven on Sunday and living like hell on Monday. God is getting ready to change that because the year of the double agent is over. You got to preach what you live and live what you preach and walk what you talk. He I'm not talking as a judge. I know you're not perfect. I've not been perfect, but God is letting you know he's been giving you grace, but it's time in the body of Christ for the, us to elevate our living to match our profession. The time of just talking it is over. God is getting ready to do some judgment, and you know what? He's not going to start judging at the Senate. He's not going to start judging at the White House. He's not going to start judging at Fox or CNN, but the word of my God said that judgment begins at the house house of God for the ones who know better I don't know about you but I refuse to live the rest of my life going through the motions to do something that you never done before I have something that you never have before you do something that you never done before this morning I did something different I usually do it and I don't let anybody see me doing it I'll come in sometimes during the middle of the day or whatever and get to the prayer but people were here and they got here and I still did something I said oh well I took my prayer cloth. I lay down I begin to pray if they see me they see me I'm going to the face of God if they hear me speaking speaking some things they just gonna hear it. but I'm gonna get into the presence of God because they got people that are coming that need the glory to be on their life when they get here they don't want just a dry sermon they need the power of the Holy Ghost to break some of those shackles off of you to break those demons off of you to break that distraction off of your mind so that nothing will make them unfocused that the word of god will get in their hearts and mind and set them free because he who the son has set free is free indeed oh good god almighty give god some praise in this building is there anybody that can declare i want to be whole stand to your feet and give god some praise and say lord i'm ready If you're ready, say, I'm ready. (laughs) I've got a declaration for you today. Pick up your bed and walk. (laughs) Get yourself out of them same old cycles and out of those same old situations. Drive a different way home. This time, don't go to lunch. Go to prayer. Spend some time on this altar today. Pick up your bed and walk. (laughs) I hope this don't sound mean. I hope you hear it. In the heart that is given, I love you. But ain't nobody going to pick up your bed for you. <laughs> when my kids were small, my wife and I would tell them to make up. We'd go in there and we'd say, okay, baby. And we we tell them to make up their bed. And we'd try to, we really be making up the bed, but we just want them to go through the what? motion so they can learn how to do it but after a while that bed wouldn't be done and you said make up that bed and Robin come through and say I'm not your maid you need to make up that bed yourself I can preach all I want to heaven gets the new but guess what pastor can't pick up your bed for you you got to pick up your own bed and walk you got to get in your own prayer closet I'm not going to even call an altar call today if you're really serious when the Lord hits your heart get to this altar yourself and begin to pray until God does some things in your life you got to start taking responsibility for yourself. Don't wait for the pastor. Don't wait for the church. If you want it, come get it. Pick up your bed and walk because somebody needs to declare, I want to be whole. Wholeness. One of the reasons I use the King James Version is I love the way that word whole speaks to our English language. Because a lot of people want to be healed, but they don't want to be whole. They wanna lay at the altar and slobber and cry. They're coming, you can come on, give them a hand clap as they're coming, but they don't wanna change. They wanna be whole. When you really wanna be whole, nobody has to beg you to come to the altar. I know when you really wanna be whole, you know why? Because service starts at 11 a.m., coffee corner at 10. You know how I know when you wanna be whole? When it's 8.30 in the morning and somebody calls me and says, Pastor, open up the door. I know it's early, but I want to go to the altar. Then I know you're picking up your bed. When it's Tuesday or Wednesday, somebody says, Pastor, I know you work from the house. I know it's the middle of the day. I hate to be a bother, but I need to pray. Will you open up the door so I can go to the altar? Because I don't want to just be healed. I want everything God has for me. Rise, pick up your bed, and walk. Pastor Ernie, if you'll come up and start praying with some of those people, my prayer team, <clears throat> Jesus.